Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I might have, might have saved you there. First Samuel 17 and 25, do they? Look at that. Man, they're good. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? I want you to notice here. It should be. Yeah, there it is. Have you seen this man that has come up? Question mark. Now, I don't know how it works in Illinois or in Kentucky, but in West Virginia, when they taught us English, the question mark meant the end of a sentence. This was just a statement. They just said, have you seen this man that has come up? Have you seen him? See, we we might not catch it, but if I would give it to you in modern day terms, and and if I could just relay it to the church, it's like them stepping up and saying, have you seen the problem we're up against? Have you seen the circumstances my family's been in? Have you seen my bank account? Have you seen what's been going on in my life? And they follow up that statement with with the the most terrible, probably the second worst statement I've ever heard in the Bible. And they say, surely to defy Israel is he come up. That's like saying, have you seen the problem I've been facing? Surely it'll be better than I am. It'll overtake me. It'll, it'll put me down. There's no way I can ever get out of this. And, and they begin to speak evil of their own situation. And they say, it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine?" And taketh away the reproach from Israel. Now notice David's statement. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? They said, come see the man. And he said, who's this guy? That he should even try to defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. I notice, I'm just, that the way the Bible words it, he asked more than one person. What's going to be done? What's going to be done? What's going to be done? And he got to a certain place in the camp, and the Bible says that Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the man. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. I didn't like the response Eliab gave me, so I'll go ask somebody else. (laughs) And spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. I would like to preach to you, if I can, just for the next couple hours. She said yes. Yes. I got it. (laughs) I'd like to preach to you just for a little while. Pastor, you're a brave man, dude. You ain't never heard me preach or nothing. You can't believe everything you you see on the internet. (laughs) Eliab's last stand. Eliab's last stand. We've all heard of the, the famous notable Custer's last stand. Uh. My children love that story because my great-grandmother was a Custer who was related to the, the Custer family that George Custer had come from. So my kids are always excited when they see anything about Custer. But I want to talk to you for a little while about Eliab's last stand. Because I believe today that there's some people in this room that you faced an Eliab spirit. And I believe that God's getting ready to deliver you from that spirit. There, there's a spirit of alive that wants to put us down and wants to get us lower than what we should be. But I believe that before we leave this place alive, we'll have met his match. Could you put your Bibles down and lift your hands all over this building? Anointing Holy Ghost, I ask that you sweep into this house.
I ask God that you can move from the left to the right, from the front to the back, God. I ask that the anointing and power of your spirit could speak to us, God. We need to hear from you. I'm praying, Lord, that you could break chains, that you can deliver bondage, that you can let us be set at liberty today. I'm asking God that your anointing, your power, your presence could move down among us today and speak to us. We need you, God. There be a liberty and a strength and a power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. And you may be seated. Eliab's last stand. I can only ponder. I can only and simply imagine in my mind what the scene looked like, the awestruck look on David's face when he walked into the house that day. All of his brothers were standing there. His father was standing there. And, and I could get this picture in my mind as David begins to comb through the crowd. And when he makes his way around, his eyes land on Samuel, the prophet of God in his living room in the world standing in David's house with what appears to be a full horn of oil is the prophet of Israel well dad David said I'm glad you let me enjoy the festivities today I'm, I'm glad you let me come join the family who's getting anointed today dad who's getting anointed well David actually we didn't really want you here We done skipped over you two times. We, we, uh, you see, they went through all seven brothers, and then they said, maybe we missed it. Let's go through, let's go through them again. And finally, Samuel looks at him and says, do you got any more children? Now, I understand that we did a baby dedication, and you guys are good parents, and you never do this. But I can remember when my wife and I went on the evangelist field, and, and we were youth pastors, so they had kind of a going away thing, and they're showing pictures and slides. And all of a sudden, here comes a slide of, of me and my son or somebody, and I see it, and everyone starts just, oh, and they're like, wait, where's Josiah and we begin to scour the church where's Josiah oh and he was in the car still sleeping out in the car in the now you wouldn't do that because you're good parents but I've heard of uh, parents that left their kids asleep on the pew in church and got halfway home and they're like, oh, we forgot them. And, and I, so I don't really blame Jesse, I, I suppose, when he says, do you have any more sons? And Jesse goes, um, oh, I do. I have one more son. But you don't really want to mess with him. He's out in the field. And Samuel says, we will not sit down. See, that's why I get the picture that they're all standing there. His David, he said, we will not sit down until you get him. And as he walks in, David is just happy to be in the house. But I believe at that very moment that Samuel's eyes link eyes with David. And he says the statement that we all know. He says, the anointed of the Lord is here. This is the anointed of God. And as Jesse stands there amazed, and as Eliab stands there amazed, and Shema and Abinadab and all of his brothers stand in the house with their chin on the floor, I see Samuel walking over to that little ruddy boy named David, and he grabs that horn of oil, and he begins to pour it out upon his head and said, from this moment forward, you're no longer David the shepherd, but you've got a king's anointing on your life. There is an anointing on your life, David. The oil begins to run down his head. It begins to run down his shoulders. It begins to pour down that old dirt-stained shepherd's garment. It begins to land down on those dust-covered sandals. I believe that when that oil began to run down David's garment, 
See, I'm trying to paint you a picture right now of what it might be like. But with what I'm feeling, I don't think we really need the picture. I'm beginning maybe to feel just a little bit about what David felt when that oil run down his head. I believe today that what I'm feeling is just about the same thing David felt when the anointing of God began to flow down his body. I believe David said, I'm feeling it in my hands. I'm feeling it down in my feet. I'm feeling something stirring. Oh, my God. There's nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like the presence of God. I believe that if he could stand here today and tell us what it was like, I believe that David would say, oh, oh, my goosebumps started running down my back. And and all of a sudden, my hands started shaking. There was something that happened in that little old hut there in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. There was something that happened there when Samuel began to pour the anointing on me. He said, it started moving down in my feet. I felt the power of God. Can I tell you tonight, sir, may I tell you tonight, ma'am, that there is nothing in this world like the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing that will ever compare to the feeling that you will feel when that anointing starts flowing down upon your life. It'll flow down on your head. It'll get down in your hands. It'll flow down onto your feet. There's nothing like a Holy Ghost service. There's nothing like the anointing of God in your life. Hear me. There's nothing like being in a camp meeting when the anointing starts falling. Nothing like it. There's nothing like being in a conference when the Holy Ghost starts sweeping across the place. I can remember our first, my first experience at Because of the Times. And they begin to sing and they begin to worship and everything was ho-hum and I was like okay this is good this is great great choir and all of the sudden I mean if you've been there it's massive thousands of people all of the sudden Mickey Mangan started singing and it was like the Holy Ghost started swirling in there like a tornado and it went from one end to the other and you could just see people begin to be moved by the power of God let me tell you something there's nothing in that world that will ever come close there's nothing in the world that will ever even compare to feeling the power of the Holy Ghost in your life David leaves that place, and you think what you want, but I believe that he had a spring and a step. I believe when David left, he went back in there to the sheep, and one of the sheep looked at the other one and said, I ain't never seen him act like this before. I ain't never seen him act like this before. And I could see another old sheep from the back and say, oh, no, youngins, you didn't see him a few months ago when he was writing love songs to God and when he was playing that harp and he began to worship. I'm telling you that there is still nothing like the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There was not a great space of time, though, before we find David, and he's back to helping his father. I'm going to say something. That's not in my notes. But the anointing does not excuse you from helping out. The anointing doesn't excuse you from going back and doing what you need to do. He's helping his father. He's doing the duties of the young man. And his father says, listen, David, here's what I need you to do today. I need you to run down and take an ephah of parched corn and ten loaves to your brother. And I need you to run to the camp. and I need you to carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand. And tell me how your brothers are doing. If you really read it, if you really catch what his father's saying, it's not tell me how they're doing. It's tell me how well they are doing. Tell me how good your brothers are doing. Because I know they're good boys. He says, give me their pledge. Let me know how well they are doing. Let me know how good they're fighting. What Jesse failed to understand and what Jesse didn't know is that his boys weren't fighting nothing. The Bible tells me that when Goliath of Gath come into the camp that all of the army of Israel, all of Saul's army ran and hid in the ditch. And the Bible also lets me know that David went back to his father, but his three eldest sons followed Saul. 
Uh-huh. So David is filled with excitement. And he runs down to the battle. He takes his provisions and he takes his parchments and all the good stuff and he takes it to his brothers and and David is so filled with excitement the Bible says he just leaves that carriage in the hand of the keeper and he runs down to the battle he salutes his brother and he says I begin to shout for the battle he began to shout. He, he got a little bit excited about the fight. And, and David just begins to shout for the battle. It's kind of like when you're, when you're just driving around trying to find somewhere to eat. And, and you know that the WVU game is on. So you try to find somewhere that has a monitor. And you go in and you say, look, it's on. And, and, and my wife will tell you, I won't go directly to the seat. I'll sit there and watch until something good happens. And I'll say, yeah. Some, so David's kind of like that. He said, we're, we're in a battle today. We're fighting. And I want to shout. I want to cheer on the people that are fighting. But what? <laughs> He's getting excited. We know the story. I'll move quickly. But it is in the middle of David shouting for the battle that here comes the Philistine, the known enemy of the children of God, the Philistine, Goliath of Gath, by name, the giant, the enemy of God. I've just got to stop here for one minute and let you know that we need to figure out who the enemy is. Uh-huh. We, we need to figure out that the church down the road isn't the enemy. Your brother in another town's not the enemy. Our sisters aren't the enemy. The one sitting beside you on the pew is not your enemy. But the devil, the Philistine, the Goliath, there's a giant... I'm going to tell you what I feel. I feel in the Holy Ghost that the devil has distracted us for so long and got us to fight one another that he's gone off and doing his own thing. But I think we ought to get our focus and say, I know who the enemy is. I know who the enemy is. I know who I should be fighting. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Ah. My Lord. So here comes the Philistines. You've got to catch this. Forty days he comes to defy the armies of God. This all makes a lot more sense when you remember what Brother Osborne preached about. Forty days God tried him. Maybe, the Lord said, maybe I made a mistake not anointing Eliab or Benadab. They are the firstborns. Maybe I made a mistake. But after 40 days of them doing nothing, God knew he had not made a mistake. 40 days of trial, 40 days of waiting for someone to do what was right. And for 40 days, everybody failed. For 40 days, his brother Eliab did nothing. For 40 days, Abinadab did nothing. For 40 days, David's brother Shema did nothing. And it appears to me that the cycle was going to continue. The cycle wasn't going to stop. Nothing was going to change. It's kind of like in our life. We let the enemy come against us time and time again. And we refuse to stand up and put our foot down and say, enough is enough. I believe today that somebody needs to let the devil know that 40 days is over, bud. You messed with me long enough. You messed with my house long enough. You've come against my church long enough. You've come against my youth group long enough. For the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But you have got to resist him. My Lord, God looks at the Israelites and he says, you have come past about this mountain long enough. Oh, I'm going to preach right there for a minute. I wish someone would say long enough. Come on, I wish someone would say long enough. We have compassed about revival long enough. We have compassed about what we need from God long enough. And I believe that the voice of God is speaking today to tell somebody it's time to take your mountain. It's time to take your victory. It's time for revival. You better sit down. If I don't hurry, my wife will yell at me. <laughs> She's keeping track right now. It must be noted, at this point, no one was even thinking about fighting Goliath. No one was contemplating it. No one was pondering it. No one was saying, maybe we go out and gang up on this guy. We can take him. They couldn't even imagine it. They were simply in awe talking about the reward of him that's fighting. If you will fight, can you believe what they're going to do for this guy? 
Can you believe that they're going to give him the king's daughter and riches and honor and his house will be free in Israel? And when David hears king's daughter, see, you don't catch it. David's a 17-year-old boy. And someone just said king's daughter. You mean you get to go on a date with the king's daughter? You get to hang out? No, no, no. You get to marry the king's daughter. You get to be part of the kingdom. You get to marry. Huh? What? Huh? I might be a little young for marriage, but I saw her the other day getting wheeled around through the city, and she was looking pretty good. And uh, he didn't care about the riches and the honor and the house being free in Israel. You get to marry the king. See, David now, after he asked what's going to be done, in the reading, in the translation, you got to understand that he moves on to some more people and says, tell me if what they said was really the truth. Is it, you all telling me the truth of what we're going to get if we whip this guy? Because I don't think David could even comprehend that all this stuff was available, but nobody went after it. It's kind of like the blessings of God that are available for anyone, but we won't go after them. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like the healing that God said we can have, but we won't go after it. It's kind of like the deliverance that the Word of God says we can have, but we won't go after it. And then we get upset when the person beside you gets healed or delivered, and we say, why did they get it? Listen, you had the same opportunity to go against and to get what you needed from God. Tonight in this place, everybody has an opportunity to get what you need from God if you'll step into the battlefield. Bible lets us know it's at this point when his eldest brother hears him. Big brother heard him talking to the men. He heard the excitement in David's voice. He could feel the zeal in David's heart. And the Bible tells us that Eliab's anger was kindled. Eliab was jealous. He was envious. He was mad at David. I need you just for a minute to understand Eliab or Eliab, however you want to say it. I need you to understand the spirit of Eliab. Okay? Uh-huh. I just feel like preaching when I feel in the Holy Ghost today because I feel a great tragedy has hit the Pentecostal church because we have allowed the spirit of Eliab to operate freely in our midst. And in so doing, we have killed Davids and allowed giants to live. We have crushed the spirits of countless Davids that wanted nothing more than to help. And we've allowed enemies of God to flourish. I feel it coming on me in this place. Eliab looks at David and begins to be jealous. He looks at him and says, why are you even here? What are you trying to do, David? It is the spirit of Eliab that says simply, I don't want to do it, but I don't want you to do it either. I don't want to pray, but I don't want you to pray either. I don't want to worship and I don't want you to worship either. And he looks at David and says, why are you here? It's like when you come to church and you feel that voice of the enemy say, why do you even bother showing up? Why do you even bother clapping your hand? Why do you even bother worshiping? It's that spirit of Eliab that says, what's the use anyhow? What's the use anyhow? Why would you even dare go up there and pray? What's the use? Why are you here? I want to ask somebody today, why are you here? I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I don't mean it like a lie a minute. I mean, what did you come to get tonight? What is it that you need from God tonight? Because I feel that if you will step past that spirit of a lie and say, I'm here because I need a blessing from God. I'm here because I need joy that was taken. I'm here because I want to be anointed. God will do it. What's the use? What's the use? What's the use? The spirit is coming to the church. It says you don't need to worship like that. There's no reason to do it. You don't need to do that anymore. That's just old. You, don't need, you ain't got to do that anymore. There's no reason. There's no purpose behind it. But the Bible tells me that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, from the beginning of eternity through eternity, that the angels cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, continuously. 
Holy, holy. And one man asked another man, said, well, don't they get tired of that? And he said, well, first off, you got to understand they're celestial beings. They never get tired. They're never weary. They're just holy. But he said, you've got to understand why they're doing it. Why do they keep saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? It's because they are responding to what they see. The problem in church today is we don't respond to what we see or feel. He said they're responding to what they see. So when they look at God and they see that he's done something that was holy, seeing that he's done something that was magnificent, see that he's done something great, they see God in his majesty and they say, holy, and they bow down. But by the time they get back up, he's already done something else that's magnificent. So they say, holy, holy, holy. They can't stop because God never stops being good to it. He woke me up this morning. Holy. He started me on my way. Holy. He's given me victory. Holy. I wish somebody would cry holy. There is a reason to worship. There is a reason to praise God. Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. My God, every day his mercies are made new. Holy! Every day he's given me strength. Holy! I'm sorry. David, here's the statement that everybody skips. They don't ever catch it. Who did you leave those few sheep with? This was not a statement of concern about the sheep. He wasn't worried about the sheep. This was our sarcastic, demeaning remark meant for nothing more than to embarrass David. See, it was, it, it was for a reason that David ran down there. It was for a reason that David didn't say, no, Dad, maybe tomorrow. He ran down to the battle because he admired the soldiers. If you look at David's life, he became a mighty man of war. He, that was what he aspired to. It's like young men that look at preachers and men of God and they hold them in high esteem because one day they want to be like that. They want to do what they are doing. And David walks into a group of men that he admires. I want to be like you. I, I admire you. And his brother in his anger and his brother with that terrible spirit says, Why are you here, David? You're nothing but a lowly shepherd boy. You're not a warrior. Who'd you leave those few sheep with out there in the wilderness? In other words, you're nothing but a shepherd over a few sheep in the middle of nowhere. You're nothing but a shepherd over nothing. You're not, in, you're not even in the army. David, you're nothing but a shepherd. And that's just what the spirit of Eliab wants to do and has been doing to some people in this room. Why are you trying to be a big shot? I know you just have a little Sunday school class. Don't bother. Why do you even bother spending your time and money? You're not making a difference. Why, why do you even But You only have a few saints. Don't even worry about it anymore. And I believe that the spirit of Eliab has come to speak into people's life and has been speaking into people's lives and saying, what's the use? You're nothing special. What's the use? You'll never make a difference. But I've come to let somebody know today that the voice is not the voice of God speaking into your life. That is the spirit of Eliab trying to get you to turn around, trying to get you to give up trying to get you to lose your zeal and passion. But I will not let that critical spirit cause me to lose out with God. Say whatever you want. I will not let it cause me to lose my victory. I'm telling you this because I've dealt with it before. I've walked in before after being at a conference or being at a camp or visiting a church. I've walked in with the zeal and with the passion. I've walked into uh, the, the church that we were at at the time. I walked in and I was so excited, Pastor. I had on a new song. I had some new things I was doing. I don't get new songs now because I don't play very much. But I was excited at that point. And I remember an elder looking me in the eye and saying, we don't want those new ideas here. You come here with all, am I telling the truth? You come here with all these ideas and all this stuff from other churches and all this uh, new stuff and all these new ideas. We don't want that here. 
know what? I, I know young people and saints of God. We go to conferences and camps. We go to meetings. We get all fired up. We, we get into our home and we get into a prayer meeting and God begins to deliver things to do to us. And we want to bring revival home with us. We've got new ideas and new visions. We've come and we've made up our mind that we're going to face giants that are plagued our life. But when we step in amongst other people, that spirit of Elijah begins to work and it begins to say, we don't want any of that around here. Understand with me, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about a spirit. Ah. That's why you could come in to the house of God. This is how you can tell if it's a spirit or if it's a person. Go into your house by yourself. Come into the church when nobody else is there and start praying and, and get to the point where you're ready to cry, you're ready to shout. And that spirit will come and say, don't do that, you'll be embarrassed. How will I be embarrassed? Nobody's here. Just don't do it. <laughs> That's how you know. When, when you're sitting around and nobody else is there and you want to say, God's going to bless me, God's going to work with me, but the Spirit says, don't talk like that. It's the spirit of Eliab that wants to tell you, we don't want any of that. We, you shouldn't even bother with that. Why are you here? Who did you leave those few sheep with? There's times that we come in and we made up our minds that we're going to stand face to face with the enemy and say enough is enough. But we are faced with the spirit of Eliab as soon as we come home. We are faced with that critical spirit that says, what's the use? It's a pulling force that I know many have felt. You see, David had just been anointed. He'd just been in the presence of God. He just had a, a shockwave sent into his spirit. <laughs> I've come to confront a spirit that's trying to drag everybody down and tell them you don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to live for God. You don't have to rise above. There's a spirit that wants to drag everybody down and keep you at that level. But I will rise above that. I will pray more earnestly. I will worship with more passion than I ever have. I will not be ashamed. I will not be afraid. But I will look alive in the eye and say, alive, you mess with me for the last time. You mess with me for the last time. said, I, I, I got I to gotta hurry, I believe. They say that if you take one crab and you throw him into a pot, that you will have to put a lid very tightly on that pot because that crab will find a way out. He will pinch and he will get out of that bucket. There's nothing you can do unless you tighten that lid down. But they, they, they tell us if you take more than one crab, you put one or two or three and you place them into the same bucket that you don't need to put a lid on anymore. Don't worry about putting the lid on it because for some unknown reason, when one crab makes its way to the top, the other crabs will pull them back. They don't know why. They don't understand it. Every crab in the bucket could get out if they wanted to. But when one makes its way higher, the other one's pinch and grab and pull and make sure it never gets out. And if another one begins to make its way up, they pinch and grab and pull. And they will never get out of that bucket. They will create for themselves their own death. And I feel, I fear, and I feel that that spirit has entered into the church that says, don't even try to climb out of the bucket. Don't, don't try to get more spiritual. Don't try to get closer to God. Don't, don't try to become a better person. Don't try to become a better preacher. Don't try to get closer to God. My Lord, can I just talk to you? i tell you what I feel in the spirit. It's the one that doesn't ever help clean the church, but always points out the spots you miss. It's the one that doesn't help decorate the classroom, but they sure let you know how you could have done it better. <laughs> it's the one that never claps their hands, but they sure tell you that you've done it too loudly. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. I refuse to stay in the bucket with the crabs. God has not called us to be crabs in a bucket, but the Bible says he has called us to mount up with wings as an eagle. To mount up with wings as an eagle. Eliab 
whether you like it or not, I'm going to kill the giant that's in my way. Eliab, whether you like it or not, I will overcome. Eliab, spirit that we are fighting, I've got a question for you. What have I now done? What did I do wrong? What's wrong with clapping my hands? What's wrong with shouting for joy? What's wrong with praying a little bit longer? What's wrong with fasting a few more days? What's wrong with getting a little wild in the house of God? What have I now done? There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with giving God praise. You hear me today. There's nothing wrong with trying to make your church better. There's nothing wrong with trying to make your Sunday school better. There's nothing wrong with trying to make your music group better. But you better hold on and let Eliam know this is your last stand in my life. What's wrong with lifting up a standard? What's wrong with giving God glory? And now I understand why David writes it. I believe he was combating the spirit of Eliab. When he begins to pin down, I will bless the Lord at all times. I know you've tried to stop me. I know I'm in a bad place. I know you tried to keep me down, but you won't stop me, Eliab. You didn't stop me then. You won't stop me now. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody needs to let the devil know you're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my worship. You're not going to stop me. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for praising his name? Isn't there a reason for running the aisle? Isn't there a reason for leaping for joy? Yes, there is a cause. It's because my family needs saved. It's because I need to touch the throne of God. It's because I need to be delivered. You might try to stop me. You might try to laugh at my worship, but I do it because there's a cause. There's a cause. I've got lost loved ones that I need to see saved. That's why I do it. I come to church because there's a world that needs touch from God. There is a cause today. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've been facing, but I've come to tell you there is a cause. You do have a purpose. You do have a work for God. people in this room that have been standing at a wall you cannot get over facing situations that you don't know if it's going to work out or not some of you are facing financial battles that you've never faced before and you're sitting here right now I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody you're sitting here right now worried about if you're going to be able to pay the bills in the morning you're worried about if God's going to do it you're, you're standing at a place where you've, you've got in, in such a mess in your mind that you can barely get yourself to sleep at night worrying about things because the spirit of Eliab has come to you and said there's no need to do all of that stuff don't worry about it God will not help you things today we've never faced before but I believe this with all of my heart I believe that many of us that are facing things have walked into this place time and time again and have heard the voice of God speak to you service after service and tell you if you'll shout for the victory if you'll run, if you'll worship, if you'll leave if you'll come to the altar and pray if you'll do it, I'll, I'll bless you, I'll help you but the spirit of Eliab has said don't even try to fight the giant just stay in your seat. <clears throat> I'm going to have to get a new message Wednesday, but I'm just going to tell you. The devil has convinced us. Here's the thing, church. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking in the back of your head, I know God can deliver me. I know God can bless me. And the devil, the devil hasn't even tried to convince us that he can't. I know that God can do it, and you're saying that in your, I know God can heal me, I know God can do it. But here's what I believe the devil has convinced the church. He's convinced you that God just can't do it today. 
know God can heal me, but probably not this service. I know God can bless me, but not today. I know God can give me deliverance, but just probably not now. And I just wonder how many services you've walked out because the spirit of Eliab has kept you in your seat and you leave here and you think in the back of your head, I could have got the Holy Ghost tonight. I could have got blessed tonight. I, I could have. <laughs> I could have got it today. But the devil has done the same thing he did with Eve. He looked at Eve and said, Thou shalt not surely die. And the devil likes to tell you today is not the day of salvation. Probably tomorrow. Today's not the day that you get your healing. Maybe tomorrow. Today is not the day that you get the Holy Ghost. Maybe tomorrow. Today is not the day that you get your breakthrough. Maybe tomorrow. But I still believe the Word of God. And the Word of God says that today is the day of salvation. I feel deliverance in this place today. I feel healing in this place today. Somebody needs to say, you know what? Your opinion doesn't matter to me. I'm not worried about what you say about me. I'm tired of this giant in my life. And I'm ready for victory. I'm ready to overcome. Uh, my Lord, I'm, I'm getting there right now. David, you just come down to see the battle. No, alive. If I wanted to see the battle, I'd just get in the ditch with you. I didn't come here to just see. I didn't come to church tonight to see somebody else get delivered. I've come to get it. I didn't come here to see somebody else be blessed. I've come to be blessed. I didn't come here to see somebody else get healed. I've come to do it. I'm not here to just see who's in church, but I'm here to get in the middle of the battle. I'm here to be anointed. I'm here to fight some devils. Come on, is there a fighter in this place? Is there somebody that's tired of that critical spirit in your church? I'm tired of that critical spirit. I'm tired of never feeling like I'm good enough. I'm tired of always feeling afraid to worship. I'm tired of that judgmental spirit. He looks at David and says, I know your pride. I know who you are. I know what you think you are. But I know what you used to be, David. I know who you used to be. And that's what the devil said. I know who you used to be, so don't bother praying now. the spirit that causes us to settle for staying in the bucket I'm just going to do what I always used to do it's that spirit that causes you to hold on who you used to be instead of letting go of it and moving on to where God wants you to be And the mistakes that you've made have held you down for years, but not after tonight. Stand with me all over this building. Lift your hands. And what we're going to do for the next few minutes, something's going to break. We're going to pray against that spirit of Eliab, that spirit of that crab that's pulling you down. There's some of you that are feeling what I'm feeling right now. I need you to lift your voice and begin to pray against that spirit. I am good enough. God has died for me. I am blessed. I am going to make it. I am going to be something. I am going to kill the giant. Eliab, you will not stop me again. This is your last stand. This is the last time you still my zeal. This is the last time you steal my passion. This is the last time you stop my revival. angry. Somebody needs to lift your hand and give God some praise right now. Somebody needs to lift your hands and say, I'm coming out of this. We're going to make it through. We're going to do better than we did yesterday. We are going to be blessed. I, I am going to sleep at night again. I am going to have a home that's peaceful. I am going to do it. No matter what you say alive, I will.
The spirit of Eliab is an enemy of revival. The spirit of Eliab is the one that comes over the city and it tells people that want to come to the house of God, don't bother, nothing will ever change. It's that spirit of Eliab that I feel has been pushing back the revival that we need to see. But if we can overcome that in this place, then we can take it out in this city and people will know that God has something for them. People will know that there is a cause. I'm closing. I'm closing. Ah, come on. That's it. Lift your voice. Come on. You don't have to live with that discouragement. You don't have to live with that spirit that tells you what you're doing isn't good enough. You don't have to live with that spirit that says you'll never experience revival. Here it is. Even the New Testament speaks to us of the spirit of Eliam. It doesn't say that's what it is, but it gives us the same characteristics. It says this, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Peter says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. It's the spirit of scoffing and mocking. And we often negate that to the world. But I'm okay if the world laughs at me. I'm okay if the world mocks me for my worship. I'm okay if they say I'm a little out of my mind because I'm dedicated to the house of God. But you've got to understand, the scripture says, these be they who separate themselves. That means at one time, they were apart. At one time, they were praying at an altar. At one time, they were worshiping. At one time, they had the Spirit. At one time, they weren't ashamed to lift their hands. At one time, they weren't afraid to weep at an altar. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. At one time, they weren't afraid to shout and to dance for victory. But now, they are sensual, earthly, natural, having not the Spirit. God, help us not to get to that place. God help us not to get to the place where we sit back and mock and we scoff and we say they're crazy I can't believe they do that when you were once that one that wasn't ashamed to lift up your voice at one time you weren't ashamed to let those tears fall down your face They don't have the spirit anymore. They're sensual. They're worried about themselves. Carnality has poured over them. At one time, they stood in the presence of God and watched people be anointed. But now, I won't even fight for what I believe in anymore. (laughs) It lets me know that in the last days, this spirit has made its way into the church. where we question our own worship and we question our own standards and we question our own dedication and we question our our own praise and we question ourselves. God, help us. God, help us. It's all right if the world does it. I don't care, but God, help us if we mock ourselves. God, help us if we mock our own dedication, if we scoff at our own self. God help us if somebody comes in excited and dancing and we sit back and laugh. God help us if somebody comes to an altar and we sit back and say, I know that they're nothing but a sinner. Why would they even go to an altar? God help us if we get that spirit of a lie upon us. That's trying to drag everybody down to the same level. I'm sitting in my seat and so should you. God, the Holy Ghost is speaking to people right now. I just want to let you know 
Eliab, it doesn't matter if you're laughing or not. It doesn't matter if you bring up my past or not. It doesn't matter if you mock me. But you will not stop my worship. You will not keep me in my seat. You will not stop my praise. You will not keep me from being anointed. You won't keep me from growing. You won't keep me from moving toward the giants in my life. Hear me right now. These altars are open, but I'm getting ready to tell you how to combat the spirit of Eliab. If we would bow our heads and close our eyes all over the building. Jude, he uncovers it. Jude uncovers the spirit. It's the spirit of mocking that would come walking after their own lust, separating themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. But he looks at him and says, but ye beloved, sometimes you're going to have to build up yourselves sometimes you'll have to encourage yourself sometimes you'll have to push yourself out of your seat and push yourself to an altar building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost I don't know how I'm going to make it I don't understand how I'll get praying in the Holy Ghost I'm telling you there's some people right now that you feel your feet wanting to get out of your pew and come to an altar, but they feel like cement. They're stuck. I, I just don't know. I don't know right now. The music hasn't started. But I'm telling you that if you'll step out, Eliab will meet his match. If you'll just pick up your feet and say, I'm going to the altar, whether you laugh at me or not, I've got to touch God. Whether you laugh at me or not, I've got to touch God and I've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not even going to ask you to come. I, I just know that God's drawing on people right now. I'm not going to be succumbed to that spirit anymore. I want to do something for God. I, I want to work for God. I want to see revival. It does matter. There is a cause. There is a cause. Beloved, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Beloved, lift up your voice and pray. Come on, don't be ashamed to let those tears fall right now. There's some of you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.